0: i would say in today's climate on youtube just start today like literally start filming today start uploading as quickly as possible it's gonna be it's gonna take time to you know get views and have people find you it's just like investing start as young as possible um, and
1: keep at it hello and welcome to another episode of the golden hour podcast i'm your host dave mays coming in again from my home studio Today's guest is the one and only Caleb Pike from the YouTube channel DSLR Video Shooter. With almost 500,000 subscribers and over a decade of experience on the platform, Caleb is really no stranger to the YouTube game. Posting a video every single week for the last 10 years has built a career and a following that has surpassed anything that Caleb thought was possible. The thing that makes Caleb stand out against other YouTube creators is the fact that he's always looking for little holes in workflows for people and finding unique and creative ways to use gear and technology in a creative way to actually help you be a little bit more productive with your workflow. One of the things that has always stood out to me about Caleb is the fact that he always is very thoughtful about the reviews and the tutorials that he puts on his channel. He's not always looking for what's popping in the industry. He's always looking in the nooks and crannies of the camera, gear, and tech space finding just the perfect little accessory, or the perfect lens or the perfect camera in the price point that most people can afford. And he's bringing to light equipment and tutorials that are really helpful. And even if you didn't know you needed it, once you see his videos, often you're blown away and you have to have that accessory that he's talking about. It was a real honor for me to interview Caleb in his home studio, as again, we're continuing to be in our quarantine positions. And before I get to that interview, I just wanna remind you guys to please subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcast and leave a rating and review if you haven't already. All right, without any further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with the one, the only Caleb Pike from DSLR Video Shooter. All right, so we're here with my good friend Caleb Pike, from dslr video shooter all the way in uh, you're kind of like near chicago right but not really yeah
0: yeah what city is undisclosed location in the greater chicagoland area
1: (laughs) and uh i take it that you are you know quarantining yourself just like the rest of us
0: yes i'm still going over to the studio um just because it's really no one's there yeah so it's like an extension of the home almost.
1: Tell but me about yeah, that. Yeah, Tell- not
0: really going anywhere, do anything.
1: <laughs> Tell me about that studio. That's a new development for you. I mean, rather new.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It feels like yesterday, but it's been getting close to a year now already. Um but yeah, got a space uh nearby and it's uh uh the biggest space I've ever had the fortune to, to use as a, a studio space. Um so it's about a thousand square feet. We're looking at kind of expanding within the building, uh, maybe maybe adding some offices and whatnot. Um, but it's been great so far uh, to have a dedicated space outside of the home. Um, that's big and able to do more than just, you know, one set because, as you know, video stuff just takes up so much room. Like I'm always jealous yes. of photographers where they can just have a pretty space, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, us video people, it just it gets chock full of stuff, and before you know it, you know, you're zero room for anything else.
1: <laughs> it's so true, especially for the uh, style of content that you're creating. You're really striving for, you know, do teaching people how to set up studios, sets, lighting, um, audio, all the things that you would see in a Hollywood, uh, you know, or traditional film set but on a lower, you know, more indie scale. So I imagine you're always experimenting and just trying out new things. And I know that you're always messing with soundboards and bounces and all sorts of fun, you know, exciting things that we can talk about on the podcast, but especially for you, you want to have a lot of space to experiment and build all those sets, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that is definitely a huge part of it. And then also, um, trying to create dedicated spaces for each stage of production Mm -hmm. um uh like for instance if i don't do podcasting but there's a lot of youtubers who do and it's really hard to switch back and forth between shooting a youtube video having a dedicated podcasting space a place to edit your videos a place to you know do different lighting setups and stuff like that so yeah it can get interesting real quick
1: do you find yourself more productive having just kind of those, like, blocks of, like, this is where I shoot, this is where I edit, you know, beyond the the actual time, you know, aspect of it that you're saving time because of that, do you like having dedicated spaces for certain things? Like, do you have a spot where you always edit? Or now that you have a laptop, do you kind of like to just float around wherever?
0: Yeah. Um, No, I do like dedicated spots. Like, I I got a recent... You know, laptop recently, which has been awesome to be able to go back and forth. You know, work at home a little bit, over at the office, but I still like you know, like a grounded desk setup. Yeah, um, I've never been able to like, oh, I'll just go edit on the lap on the you know, couch or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> um, and there's something about like, I don't know, you kind of get into this these habits. Like for instance, when I go to bed at night, I don't do it, watch TV, I don't get on my phone, I literally lay down and fall asleep. <laughs> so, like, stuff like that, right? So, like, I'm at yeah. my desk, we're editing, or we're writing scripts, you know? Yeah. Um, Trying to keep it... Not that there's a wrong way to do it, but for me, that just seems to work, you know, yeah. fairly well.
1: That, that makes you a much more productive creator than me, that's for sure, so... Uh. <laughs> well,
0: the problem is then, uh, the temptation for me is, you spend all this time, like, optimizing. I'm constantly catching <laughs> yeah. myself, like... Like uh, this tripod doesn't quite get low enough now quickly. So what if I got a whole tripod just for this one thing? And it's like, no, dude, just take fifteen seconds and rebalance the tripod, yeah. You know? so. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I think that's what makes you great, and that's why I have always loved your channel. And I mean, let's just start there. You've been creating YouTube videos for a very long time. You're you're almost considered like an OG YouTuber, if if you will. Tell us, how long have you been on the platform now on YouTube as DSLR video shooter?
0: Oh, geez, it's what's haunting is it's been. I forgot to tweet this, and I keep wanting to like tweet it and make it a big, you know, post or whatever, but I keep forgetting. And the more time that goes by, the less (laughs) relevant (laughs) it is. But uh, as of February 2020, it's been a decade of doing making videos for the internet, not necessarily on YouTube, but nine, ten years.
1: That's incredible. I mean, the DSLR revolution happened in, what, 2008, 2009, when the 5D Mark II uh, kind of took over. So that means you pretty much started right, what, when the, what was your first camera that made you call your channel DSLR Video uh, Shooter? What was your
0: DSLR? Yeah, for me, I think think we have the same camera, but it's the 7D. Yep. Because I was too broke for the 5D. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and same then I year. made up
0: all this like BS about how it was better to try to justify my purchase. Yeah, it's, it's super thirty <laughs> five. It shoots seven twenty P sixty frames per second, man. You and your five D and your SAD 30. It
1: had, yeah, it had twenty-four frames per second, and the five D at the time didn't have that firmware update yet. So um yeah, that's right. Also, I must say I love that little switch that it had, the photo video switch on it. That was really handy too. Yep. So but yeah, that, oh, <laughs> that sound. Yeah, the yeah, yep, it was great. Flipping out way um, we're wow. showing our age, which is funny to say because we're both, cons- you know, considerably lo- young uh, youngsters, younglings. <laughs> but yeah, uh, a lot of the people coming up, like my uh, my old shooter Connor, uh, he started on a camera that didn't that had autofocus, so he never learned how to focus manually. So um, there's a lot of people listening who may not remember or know of the 7D original. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that was a great time, though. It was really a fun moment to be around. Can you talk about that, you know, those early days of the DSLR revolution and what kind of prompted you to start your channel?
0: Yeah, no, it was was really exciting. Like now is is stupid, ridiculous. Like Mm -hmm. literally anything that we talk about on our channels now is amazing. It's going to do... Mm-hmm. wonders it can just about you know make breakfast for you it's ridiculous <laughs> um when it comes to cameras lenses and all the tech we have and how affordable it all is but back then it was just it was so new you know mm-hmm. like go back to 2006-7 and the only way you're able to get the look that we all like or we're striving for which is like you know super 35 or 35 millimeter film uh you had to go to film school Mm-hmm. or or you know spend I, I don't know what was available at the time
1: I think that it I mean like digital the red ones like yeah the red one was out sort of but it was still extremely expensive and um, yeah. you know the Viper was a, a cinema camera that a lot of people were shooting on at the time that was digital that you know all, yeah. they were limited to 1080p so um, but no there was nothing it was there was no real way for an indie filmmaker to to have access and especially to own and operate their own equipment um on an indie or small budget scale um everything was camcorders i remember shooting on dv tape i mean everybody did right so that was yeah i was using a zoom as a as an effect um because it looked too nice to yeah. to zoom in slowly <laughs>
0: Or doing that trick where you would, like, back up a football field and zoom all the way in if you had a nice zoom <laughs> lens on your camcorder to try yeah. to achieve some kind of shallow field. Yeah. Like, all the commercials in that era were all shot at, like, <laughs> essentially a 200, 300 millimeter equivalent yeah. to try to get something.
1: And I think uh, Philip Bloom, if you're familiar with uh, this time period, really kind of came on the scene because he did discover, you know, a product before the DSLR revolution that was, uh, that was it, the lettuce adapter? It was like a little mirror box that you would put in front of your camcorder and you could put uh, SLR lenses on it and sort of emulate the look of a... Full frame, but the camera itself would look like a bazooka. It was this huge, massive yeah. device that you had to have on rails. Did you ever get into that? I was
0: just about to when the seventy came along. Yeah. And I remember in like when I think OG people, I think people like Philip. Like, it's really weird when people, you know, I meet people and they're like, oh, you know, oh whoa, Caleb, like, that's, you know, ancient history. You've been here forever. The Godfather, it's like, no, dude. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, But, yeah, he, he had the lettuce one, which had to, like, flip the image and then mm-hmm. there was, like, a battery built in that you flipped a switch and it had to, like, shake this, like, perfectly made glass element that was sanded to a certain grit and all this crazy art you know <laughs> archaic stuff so i was looking to do the jag 35 solution uh uh-huh. which didn't have the imaging or the mirror whatever it didn't flip the image so you had to mount your camera upside down onto it and like it's just ridiculous and then the whole you know Nikon, what is it the D ninety?
1: The D ninety was the first came out. It was actually the first video DSLR, but they lose a lot of the credit because the five D Mark II completely uh you know yeah. ate it ate its dust, right? So Yeah, yeah but
0: anyway that's that's that whole thing but yeah so jeez that took me back i forgot about those for a second
1: it's kind of fun to to think back on it and um i'm considering doing a a series of videos kind of talking about these these it's funny to call it older uh you know nostalgic things for us but it it has it's been over 10 years since that stuff happened can you believe it yeah it's unbelievable. I was only 16, 17 years old, and I was playing with all that stuff. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, um, so crazy.
1: So you started your channel, but you didn't really start, you know, from scratch. You were already creating videos and doing video production. Can you talk about your kind of life before YouTube as a as a creator? Uh, yeah, it was.
0: It, it started roughly around the same time. Okay. Um, when I first, so I guess to back up the reason I started making videos online about making videos was uh, I was wanting to go to film school, but didn't want to go, you know, h- hundreds of thousands into debt, which is kind of what it took if you wanted to do it right Yeah. Um, at the time. And uh, so I started kind of just self-learning, self-teaching, self-taught. Uh, using what I could find online which wasn't too much at the time you actually were better off to go buy like cinematography books on Amazon Mm -hmm. um, to learn that stuff and so I um, started playing with lighting because I knew you know that was important and I sucked at it Uh, (laughs) I've been doing you know videos from like middle school on so just shooting all kinds of different stuff and uh, so I started playing around with some lighting setups I was living in my grandfather's Uh, working out of his basement at the time if you watch the early videos you'll see this like wood paneling Uh (laughs) so that's the basement of my grandfather's house nice and uh i I would shoot stuff and at the time this is how like long ago it was it was like kind of a new thing to upload hd videos to the internet oh yeah (laughs) so like you know it was you were like the bee's knees if you could put 1080p up you know Uh you saw the little hd icon pop up on vimeo is super exciting (laughs) so i would just upload what i was filming and uh uh, threw it up there just kind of you know play with that whole process and then people started asking questions about things and so i just started making follow-up videos and um i had a web i had a web background uh before that doing blogs on various topics um and uh, so i just whip one together DSLRvideoshooter.com, I was like SEO man DSLR video that's blowing up right now um, and uh, then it just slowly 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 grew from there
1: <laughs> so the the decision to name yourself the DSLR video shooter simply was SEO
0: <laughs> yeah yep um, and at the time it seemed you know appropriate no one knew that mirrorless was going to, to dominate. <laughs>
1: no i mean it's but, you know tr- it's
0: gonna be something else eventually too
1: i think uh what was it uh news shooter.com used to be called dslr news shooter right or something or dslr yeah. shooter i don't remember and then it.
0: there's and then there's cinema 5d just hanging on <laughs> white knuckle in it
1: and EOSH Yeah, love those guys
0: <laughs> yeah yeah oh, i guess that's exactly. still
1: relevant because EOS cameras but he never seems to really talk that's about true. canon <laughs>
0: Yeah. Or, you know, H D. Now you could say way outdated. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's hard when you've built a, you know, a brand and a name around that. Have you considered doing anything that you'd like to share here with that or are you just gonna stick with it?
0: Yeah, no, I can talk about it. I, I, I about every year have kind of a mini panic attack, like should I change it? Is now the time? If I wait too long, is it gonna be too late? But um Nino from Cinema Five D, his yeah. his wisdom echoes through my mind every time and it's just it's just a name it's just a brand yeah there's all kinds of stuff on especially on youtube of people who had really wacky names when they first started their channels <laughs> and like obviously the right move right now business wise is to like name like change it to caleb pike or whatever yeah but uh it's just a name everyone yeah. everyone knows it if anything yeah. just kind of i need to amp up like my name alongside it sure So people you know Well, I can see that, but
1: I can relate to that. I mean, I host a channel called KinoTika, but my name is also Dave Mays, so you know, I'm I'm in that same boat, and I promote both names equally, if not Dave Mays more than the other, honestly. Right. (laughs) But
0: (laughs) yeah, no, and that's smart. Like, if I think if, um, unfortunately, I waited to start seriously thinking about it. I waited until like, you know. The consequences of, of a dip in views would be too high for me. Sure. So, but yeah, if you're, uh, depending on timing and how your brand is, you know, monetized, yeah. there's definitely some. it's 100% something you should consider.
1: Yeah. I think Nino's right. It's just a name. Um, I mean, the biggest YouTuber on the platform is named PewDiePie. So, <laughs> there you go. If you really, if we, we, <laughs> Which, s- you know what's
0: funny? What? Uh, we started our channels almost at the exact same time.
1: Oh my gosh! Wow, it's amazing.
0: Not not that to say like, oh, how did he get ahead of me? Because he's you know he's amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's a, a broader category, but it's just it's just funny. Like yeah, you think like they've been on the platform forever, you know? It's
1: Crazy. <laughs> so you you were gonna go to film school. Um, you didn't. Um, you started your YouTube channel as you were growing your commercial freelance uh business what like what what did you think about youtube was it kind of a side project was it something that you saw as a career opportunity i mean 10 years ago did anybody see it as a career opportunity at all like why were you even doing youtube 10 years ago
0: um no i i wish i was smart enough to be like yeah i was like planning and is gonna be my whole <laughs> i was transitioning to full-time at year whatever whatever but, uh, it was just fun and, uh, I enjoyed it. And I was, you know, in that, that lovely time when, you know, when you get into something and it's new and you're crazy excited about it, it's all you can think about. Um, and that was that period of time for me. Like I was like filmmaking, oh my goodness, lenses, you can put them on the camera. That's incredible. There's so much to learn and adapters and all this crazy stuff. Um, so it was just, it was just a a hobby. Um, and i did have you know the web it, it was it started out more as a blog tied with uh vimeo back when vimeo was awesome yeah not awful <laughs> um and at the time vimeo was like actually had an amazing community you got yes. tons of comments um and it was just wonderful so many people wanting mm-hmm. to learn and support each other create creatively and all that yep um i was and i was on it I at was, that i time. was
1: loved it I yeah, loved Vimeo. and I was
0: actually a, a YouTube hater because I was like, "Ah, yuck!" You know, it's 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 just not. There's not a lot of filmmakers there. The video quality isn't as good as the Vimeo player, which now you can <laughs> barely watch a 720p video on Vimeo. Have you tried to watch like Vimeo? Like, watch it actually <laughs> no. recently?
1: Not really. It's
0: awful. Hopefully,
1: they're not a sponsor, but you know what I mean. It's <laughs> no. just, Ooh. I'm sorry, Vimeo. I still use them so, for private links sometimes because I do like the password, sure. but. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so so that's where it kind of started. And then I ended up kind of moving toward YouTube because uh, I realized one day, like, I hate writing, like, writing <laughs> blog posts and articles. Yeah, same. And I was trying to keep up with all the news. And it was just it was starting to pick up. It wasn't like one camera every other year like it was back in the day. <laughs> so I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to make videos. That's it. And I'll post them on my website with a little blurb. That's it. And then I, that's when I really switched over to YouTube, okay. uh, hardcore. So I'd been on the platform, but it was not really, it was just another place to post videos at the time. But so, so yeah, I posted there. Um, and I'm trying to, I, essentially all my web work, web development and commercial video stuff started to, I just started to slowly close it down and switch to kind of a 50, 50. And then, uh, I think in 20, 15 or 16 was my last paid video gig like i'm paying bills with this uh Mm -hmm. gig and then i kind of hung up the uh freelance hat after that
1: that's awesome do you like do you like that do you like not having freelance work or do you feel like the uh you know there is a, a a cool side to doing freelance and that is you get to travel you get to maybe experience other things I know yeah. for me, I've I've stopped doing freelance as well, and part of me does like ah, uh, you know, I kind of miss doing. Who knows? Like, I would just get a random call, like, "Hey, can you go shoot this thing?" And it's like, I, I never would go yeah. do that unless I got hired to do it, you know. Um, yeah. Or do you, do you like being yeah. being home more and having the control of the studio environment and your own content and yeah. all
0: that? There's definitely pros and cons to each. I think it's a necessary evil if you want to succeed at one or the other. So a lot of people have asked me like, Oh, I'm, you know, wanting to get more into YouTube, but I don't you know, there's a lot of people for a long time were like, I'm not doing it. I'm not quitting my day job or my my freelance, you know, video work to pursue some kind of YouTube career. Uh but in my opinion, unless you have a lot of money, um, yeah, I don't think it's possible to do both well. Yeah. One of them will suffer, or both won't succeed uh, in a big way. So I just—that's why I ended up going full time on on YouTube. Mm. At the time, I felt like a kind of a cop out because um, over the years I've transitioned from more like narrative, you know, cinematic filmmakers to more YouTube content creators. Um, and I, I did a poll a couple years back, and had no idea that eighty. To ninety percent of the people watching were other YouTubers. They weren't <laughs> filmmakers and all this kind of stuff, uh, which was kind of a relief. Um, but uh, so I still, still, so I definitely miss it. And there's something to, you know, keeping that discipline up of working with a big crew, um, dealing with clients. But at the same time, all of that can be awful. So yeah, uh, I would love to get to the point where we're able to fund our own projects, like they're real projects, but they're not for a client, and we're funding them. Ah, uh, kind of like Film Riot, yeah. But even Film Riot, man, I love those guys. But uh, I just wish they made more content. And they just, you, you just can't make incredible, pour your soul into it projects and do weekly or biweekly, you know, videos. Yeah. It's it's hard.
1: Yeah, Ryan Connolly from Film Riot. He's uh, he's been around about as long as you too right i mean he he was along with corridor digital and all those guys in the early days of all that
0: what was it uh not divergent
1: uh divergent media digital rev did rev yeah digital rev tv with uh
0: that takes me back
1: kai wong um who is still you know out there cranking stuff out on his own channel now and um who else freddie wong um and then Shane Hurlbut had he, he wasn't really a YouTuber, but he was like on YouTube all the time back then. Um, yeah. And then of course Philip Bloom. Yeah, it's it's fun yeah. to to think back on those those early days. But um, making that transition to YouTube, I can really relate to that. And I think uh, people who are listening to this, who maybe want to become YouTube creators, or maybe they are self aware enough to realize that they don't want to become a YouTube creator. Um, can you elaborate more on, on why you feel like you can't do both? Uh, cause I, I've interviewed people who, who are trying to do both. Um, and I, yeah. I, I have friends, you know, Jevin Dovey, who we've interviewed on this podcast. He, he still does yeah uh, freelance as well as run his channel. Um, but yeah. I, I know for me, it's been a real challenge, at least in my brain to kind of do both things. Um, can you elaborate on that?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, it's totally dual. Do- you can do it. Um, I found as someone who, you know, I-, I, wanted, I wanted it to do really well or as well as I could have it do. And uh, it just took, I was finding it was just going to take, you know, cutting off all production or massively reducing it so you can invest that time um, to... to help it grow. And and I think the thing that was difficult for me too is um, uh, for me creating content for other filmmakers and other people who are, you know, critical of the video quality, you have to pour a lot more in, you know, if you just want to make, you know, do run a YouTube channel, you can totally do that while having a job or doing other freelance work. Uh, But something has got to give, right? It's got to be your quality. Um, You might have the same, you know, laptop, desk, microphone, not a lot of B-roll, you know, there's going to be things you have to give up. I've always been jealous of streamers who can just enjoy <laughs> just a game and turn you know, it on. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: That's it. No editing.
0: <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, that's what it was for me is the, to keep up with the quality and the, and to keep going. Right. Cause yeah. if you're, if you've got a family and a job, you know, that's, that's really taxing to come home or spend your weekends working on it. So it's got to be something, you know, sustainable. Totally. Um, Because as you know, there's all kinds of people who just vanished. Mm -hmm. Going back to those, talking about the, you know, the OGs. um, It started with just, like, there was, I could think of four people. When I first started, there were, like, four people in the industry making content. Like, Vincent LaFerre, Philip Bloom, uh, Shane Hurlbutt. Uh, the Cinema 5D guys and like, New Shooter, I guess, and then mm-hmm. a couple other people who were starting channels and starting to do stuff, mm-hmm. and then they kind of built it up, and then they just, poof, disappeared. Yeah. Um, so, if you're going to do this forever, or as long as, you know, it, it can be really hard to do both. So, yeah. that's why I chose to, to just stick with YouTube, not to say that you have to do it that way. No. Yeah. For me to not, like, be working 24-7 and, you know, be able to sit back with a drink and hang out with the family after five, you know, it had to be one thing and I chose YouTube.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. Now when it comes to quality, um, that's a topic that I think we can, you can go into the weeds on when it comes to YouTube. Um, there is, Mm. there is like in our niche that we're in as photo video, uh, creators on YouTube, there is kind of a level of acceptable quality that is probably higher than every other YouTuber genre. (laughs) Um, And that, and that doesn't go along with the subscriber base. So even if you have 20 or 30,000 subscribers, which is a very respectable amount, but still in the compared to, you know, a food channel that has 3 million subscribers. It's not as many, right? The food channel might have a lesser production quality and it's totally acceptable at that scale with 3 million followers compared to a 20 or 30,000 subscribe based video photo based, uh, YouTube channel. Um, I know for me, I get comments all the time. Why isn't this in 4k? Your audio is bad here you know i noticed this cut here is off you know it's like good grief right and it's because obviously we're making videos for video makers and and photographers and people who are in the industry so of course they have a critical eye um and you look at people like uh, Marquez brownley uh jonathan morrison austin evans linus tech tips um of course they're they are at a high scale, so they they can't afford crews and and whatnot. But even then, they they are probably shooting more than they need to in terms of you know they're shooting on a red 8K for YouTube. Yeah. Why is it that the tech camera space? It, it seems like there is a higher level of production that is kind of the acceptable quality standard compared to literally any other YouTube genre. You look at, you know, makeup tutorials, food stuff, comedy channels. It's almost like the more scrappy it is, it feels more authentic and relatable. I mean, even PewDiePie, his his content is not very good either. And he can afford a crew. I, I think in a way it's actually intentional. It's intentionally scrappy to look kind of relatable. But at least in our demographic, it seems like that is not the case.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and you are asking why? Why is it that <laughs> <Yeah>. way? Why
1: <laughs> I want to just shoot on my phone? <laughs> I
0: don't know. I I guess it's got to be um, like like, dang it, Philip Bloom, you ruined it for everybody <laughs> with your high quality, you know, a roll and and all this kind of thing. Um, I think it's just one of those things that over time people are like, oh, this is what you do. Like, it's been really fascinating to see what people have, because, okay, let's back up a second. When I was starting, there was no one else trying to make regular content, you know, like regular, regular, like once a week or whatever, uh, content about this stuff, especially on the budget end. There's a lot of guys talking about the kind of higher end. Uh, and now there are thousands and thousands of channels, uh, covering stuff we cover Right, yeah. it's insane. You can't you can't keep up with them. I remember three years ago, I felt like I was able to kind of like, okay, here's a new kid on the block, you know, rocking his you know filmmaker stuff, awesome. <laughs> uh, but now there's too many. <laughs> you know, have you seen on your YouTube feed just like some yeah. completely new person who's like really good and talented? Yeah. There's so many.
1: I uh, I I don't know if you saw Gerald Undone did a collab with a bunch of YouTubers during the quarantine. Um, it was yeah. like a workout video. And
0: yeah, it was awesome.
1: Were you in that? I'm sorry if I don't remember. If no, you were, okay.
0: I I uh I was talking to him about it, and then uh my back went out. So I literally oh, no. <laughs> okay. I could walk. It much was a, less like lift sandbags.
1: <laughs> Although that that would have been kind of funny to see you in a wheelchair, I guess. But uh I'm sorry yeah. for your back. There. But no, there is there <laughs> is no, a right. there is a handful of creators in that uh video, and I didn't recognize them, and they were great. They were so funny. I was like, who is this person? Oh my gosh. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It, I think the um, it's the the word has gotten out it I've I mean the kid yeah. the the filmmaker kid that's up and coming that you saw three years ago that was me so I'm glad that you know that worked out <laughs> and you remember me but uh, <laughs> even I started three years ago and it, it it already feels like it's been forever and things have changed so much in just yeah. three years
0: yeah and and what's I know we're kind of on a rabbit hole so hang in there with me people there's a point but uh, it's been interesting watching all this change and see these trends yeah like uh, the 120D with a light dome you know (laughs) I think people get it in their head that after a while this is what you do uh huh you get a 120D with a light dome, boom, you've got your YouTube light done. Don't even think about it ever again. Never change the angle, nothing. <laughs> uh, you get a you get an EOS R, or you get an M50, or you get an A7III from Sony, uh-huh. and boom, check. And like and like <laughs> even I'm not saying this is the reason you pick that microphone, but that microphone, the SSM seven B, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the podcasting microphone. Because like of... if you're going uh, to make a podcast...
1: <laughs> Joe Rogan. Yeah, H3H3. H3, totally, and H3, yeah.
0: yeah, there's so many... Yeah. I mean... Like, that's I like what to, you get. And so, I'm wondering if... Yeah. Oh, go ahead.
1: I, I was just... I have to back myself up. You're putting me on the, on the spot here. My dad's a... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> my dad's a music producer, and he's owned this mic forever, and he always taught me this is the best mic in the industry, so... I I have a yeah. history with it, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, and one hundred
0: percent. Like people don't remember that microphone has been around for a long time. Make, yeah,
1: Mick Jagger that's not recorded like uh, new... on it. Yeah, the Rolling Stones recorded on this yeah. mic. Yeah, that's why the preamps are so bad. Yeah. I have to so use the... the cloud lifter on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah,
0: so like, there's a reason. You know, it's still good stuff, but there's the, kind of this trend. I think. Yeah, like right now we're in this like, I think I bet you there's a ton of kids out there or. I say kids, but you know what I mean? People. Yeah. Up know, and coming into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Where like they see everyone making this content. They're like, all right, I need this. I need this. I need the RGB lights somewhere in the background. Like, <laughs> and so there's just kind of this standard. Yeah. Um, and that that's maybe why, long story short, that's maybe why we're seeing, you know, the quality requirements seem to be so much higher. Yeah, cuz yeah, I 100% am with you.
1: It's kind of like it's iPhone. it's become a baseline of like everybody is on this equal playing field. The the big channels and even some of the smallish channels. And uh, it's a yeah. that's one of the great things about this technology and the fact that it's so uh, easy to buy a Canon M50 for $400 and you get better image than you and I got on the 7D ever, you know? Um so it's pretty cool it's it's yeah. very exciting for anybody starting out um, yeah but anyways that's kind of just a tangent I guess but um, it is an interesting note and I, I think about it often because I feel like my standard of quality as a gear reviewer is much higher and if I just jumped over to an entertainment based channel I could get away with much more <laughs> so yeah um, that's true so let me ask you uh, a technical question. Do you use editors? Do you have an editor that edits your videos or do you do everything yourself?
0: Yeah, I have one employee, uh, one, one full-time employee, and uh, that person uh, is my kind of studio manager slash assistant editor. Um, so uh, she will take all the footage, uh, kind of take over from after we stop recording to right up until creative editing takes over, so importing the footage, creating camera archives of all the you know footage, make sure it's all backed up, um, kind of prep the edit, cut out everything down to you know the meat of the video or the A roll, import and create selects for B roll, kind of line things up, create shot lists, and then uh, I usually take over when it gets that point where you need to start cutting big chunks out if you have to or um, placing you know b-roll in certain places and then i do the the uh color correction and and grading um so that helps tremendously because it cuts out just another really time-consuming stuff
1: yeah that's that's amazing i mean how long have you had an editor like that or had somebody like that to help you
0: um let's see 2018 i think fall of 2018 was when uh when we got that ball rolling um And then the other part of the job description is kind of full-time picking up after me. (laughs) Because as I'm sure you know, like, if you're doing this, you make huge messes, you know. You get a a couple new cameras in to, like, test. You're opening boxes everywhere, building rigs, and there's screws and tools all over the place. So dead batteries. So I just kind of, like, there's certain areas where I put things Uh that uh, mean they need to be put away. So there's like certain surfaces (laughs) that like, I'll just pile up with stuff because you run out of time. Yes. You run out of time. There's only so much time you can put into this thing. true. And so trying to figure out what's eating it up and try to eliminate that stuff.
1: There's one thing that just through our conversation already that I've noticed it's, it's all about efficiency for you. If the light stand Literally makes you lose a couple of seconds. You want to get rid of it and find a new light stand that helps you save ten seconds, or yeah, if you can hire somebody to help you clean up because you need that time to to work uh, rather than waste it. You know, putting it back in the box and organizing it and whatever, then you'll do it. You know, and I think that yeah. that actually it's not anything. I I think it's actually because you love your family and and you want to be respected. You want to respect your time at work and be home with your kids and stuff like that. Is that, am I, am I onto something with that? (laughs) No.
0: Yeah. That's, that's definitely a part of it. Um, I think it's a couple different things like to keep up production Mm -hmm. quantity, you just need time. And so trying to like the other day, uh, this is an interesting little thing to do. Um, is to figure out what your hour rate is uh-huh and that and depending on what comes out at the end of that equation it really makes you think hard about what you're spending your time on yeah <laughs> like for me i work I work nine to five that's my I just take normal hours I know it's really boring yeah you know oh you work for yourself you can do whatever you want <laughs> uh but uh, I just work nine to five and so I've got those hours to work with um and if it takes me two days or three days to make one video uh-huh uh, and then run the business with the rest of the time. That's not a lot of extra time no. to kind of grow and make more content. So it's the family thing because I don't work out of those hours and outside of those hours, yeah, it's uh having more time and then um you know, when you're thinking about the quality of that time, I only want to spend it on you know tasks that improve quality or make the videos better, or make more videos, or I do include time for like just stuff I enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. so if if researching vintage lenses is something I enjoy and it's, you know, involved in a video, I'll give myself that time because I think that's important. Otherwise, you see these YouTube channels that are just they're slaving away and there's not much enjoyment anymore, you know?
1: Yeah. So. I mean, that is one of the most popular topics on YouTube right now is burnout, YouTube burnout. You've been doing this for a decade now. I assume you just gave away your secret on how you don't get burned out. Is that right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I definitely think nine to five is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if you, if you rewind to those early days where it was just all you could think about, right. If you're like me, you know, you just spent every waking moment researching, learning, uh, testing, filming, all this stuff. Um, that, that isn't sustainable. You're going to get bored of certain things. Like yeah. I'm super over editing, really over it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if I could like completely not be a part of the editing process or at least, you know, be a part of only 5% of it, yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, or sound. I'm really sick of just setting up microphones and making sure it sounds good. You know, <laughs> I just really over that part or the business side of it. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. So, um, finding a way to, you know, offload that. And then, and then the nine to five thing is critical because what happens is five o'clock rolls around, you're fired up about something and you want to keep going, Yeah. but you're going to have that little packet of joy when you hit work again the next day at
1: at nine. That's a Um, good point. So... I'm interrupting this podcast with Caleb Pike to briefly tell you about the Basecamp Mapbox system. Now, right now, there is a special limited time offer for this Mapbox system. If you go to polarpro.com and purchase a VD kit, you can actually get a full VD for free, a $299 value. The six to nine stop filter comes free if you buy the VD kit for the Basecamp Mapbox system. Now, if you're not familiar with what base camp map box system is let me tell you about it real quick it is a super lightweight map box system that is designed for the modern filmmakers out there that are running and gunning that are out in the wilderness or they're shooting on a gimbal or maybe just want a super lightweight map box system instead of having a super chunky one that you're used to having in the cinema world but one of the most amazing things about this system is the vnd configurations that you can have with this map box you can have a 2 to 5 and a 6 to 9 VND filter that unlocks full light control without having to change any filters. Our matte box is the lightest in the industry at 298 grams. The entire matte box is 100% tool-free from installing on rails to removing the hood. Basecamp is optimized for fast-paced running gun filmmakers. The matte box comes in a two-stage system so you could use ND in addition to diffusion to give you that really cinematic look. To learn more about the Basecamp Matbox system, go check it out on our website at polarpro.com. All right, let's get back to the interview. See, I'm learning from you too, because I'm kind of like, the way that I work is so, it's not healthy. It's like, I'll have these huge bursts of creative inspiration, and then I just go until, and my wife is like, hey, when are you going to be done with work? I'm like, I don't know. I, I literally can't tell you. I right, yeah. I can't even begin to explain to you at any point when I'm going to be finished. I'm just going to go until I'm done. I don't know. It could be two hours. It could be five. I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: and I totally get that. And I think you can. <laughs> I think you can untrain or train that. Like the people okay. who are like, oh, all oh, my inspiration hits me at two a.m. Ah, <laughs> I think you can totally train your body to do have that at ten a.m. <laughs> you know it's yeah. just patterns yeah yeah you're right, right? yeah mm-hmm. and yeah there will be moments of inspiration and like my system is you got to have evernote or something to capture that mm-hmm. and save it for later yeah. and often it'll wear off and you realize actually that was a crappy idea <laughs> or i was just excited about something and it yeah. it's gonna be a waste of time or whatever yeah but it's it's like sleeping it's like eating you know like those i used to never eat breakfast and now i get like nauseous if i don't (laughs) say morning you know that's
1: true yeah so if you're on youtube that means you're you're on camera so in a way you are an actor is that is that true are you a performer would you call yourself a performer
0: i wouldn't um i've never uh like if you if we're talking like right now yeah and then we turn off the cameras and you walk through my door right now, like there's not going to be a huge change. You know, there might be a slight volume difference. Um, Same with my videos. Like I, have never uh, turned on or off certain things. Okay. You know, like I, I like to think, or at least I've been told when I'm talking to people at NAB on the show floor, it's pretty similar to what you'll find in my videos. Um, Not to say there's anything wrong with a little theatrics, (laughs) but I've just never been able to bring myself to do that. Um,
1: (laughs) Who are you talking to right now? What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. And I love that. And there's certain (laughs) channels where like, I wish I was more XYZ. I wish I was like funnier or... uh, well, I don't know, better with words on the fly. But.
1: <laughs> no, that's the thing. Is I think if you're getting started on YouTube, don't overthink it. Just be yourself. Like I've always been a total nut, and I was a magician for six years, and uh, I lit. That is a performance. I I was on stage and performed for for people. Um, and in a way, I was an actor playing the part of a magician because nobody actually is a magician. Spoiler alert. Um, so. But then when you look at you or you look at um, Marquez, you know, he's he's the same too. Every time I've met him in person, he's he talks and acts the exact same as he is on camera. There's n- there's no on or off button for him or for you. It's just you are who you are. You're educating. You're a teacher. You're a filmmaker. That's That's who it is. And you just happen to be on camera while you're being yourself. It's not a performance, but... Um, but you got the flip side of Kai, you know, potato jet. Um, there's plenty of others that we could list too that are in other niche, uh, niches too, but, um, they're performing, you know, they're, they're, but they're also teaching and educating and you can do everything, everything that's natural for you. So, um, yeah, Jordan, Although I will say po- oh, potato
0: jet is actually pretty the same in real life. I think. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, he's the best. Well, a then guy. maybe that's maybe that is it then, right? Just be yourself cuz Kai is also goofy and super outgoing as well in person too. So, um Yeah, yeah I mean, just be yourself. So that sounds so lame. Um uh, but it's true. Yeah, it's <laughs> true though. Um So I put out a a quick little AMA on uh Twitter. Um, Jordan Drake asks Does Caleb miss me? always 100 percent. jordan drake is of um the the originally named uh camera store tv and now they're on dp review tv um they would be considered chris and uh, jordan are a part of that kind of og crew for sure
0: yeah oh yeah 100 um, percent. smartest smartest camera person i know i would say yeah, I, I was at one event with them where they're doing their thing. And it's crazy to see them in their element. And like within minutes he was finding stuff that like would have taken me months of having the camera <laughs> with my, it's amazing. Love that guy.
1: Well, um, that, that brings me to one of my favorite things about you. And that is the fact that you do find these little nuggets with, with pieces of gear. You also find gear that a lot of people maybe not ha- have even considered, um why is that is that just a fascination for you to to explore and to discover these types of little nuggets because sometimes the the topics and the the things that you review and talk about are not searchable things it's not like i'm just gonna i'm looking for these like 20 vintage lenses that you can buy on ebay like nobody's searching that um right but you're you're once you show it they're sold out everywhere. (laughs) 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 I'm sure like these random companies all the time that are no-name companies, you do a review and then like for one or two months, they're like, whoa, we had like this crazy spike in sales all of a sudden for this $20 like uh, bolt that like, why is it that 4,000 people bought this screw?
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) The the most satisfying for me is when um i'm researching and i come up with like a combination of things to make something else yeah and then later i'm like going back to buy more of a part for uh-huh. whatever reason uh cuz i kind of catalog these things like oh this one thing for this light mount is like the best you can use it for so many different things maybe I need another one. So I go to buy it and like it shows an Amazon, like combination, like other people bought all these things together. And they're like exactly like the thing I did in a video. That always
1: feels good. Yeah. I mean, the, the most popular thing that I'm seeing right now is your brilliant, uh, rolling stand camera setup. It's like a C stand on wheels, which you've done multiple iterations of C stand on wheels combinations. Uh, You've done...
0: (laughs) I can't get away from it.
1: You've done, uh, what, your boom mic on it. You've done lighting. Uh, You've done uh, a light with a a flex arm on it. You've done audio uh, sound panels with it. And now I'm seeing... I had a friend in Nashville who who made the whole setup, and he texted me. He's like, look, I did the Caleb Pike camera setup. I'm like, oh, sweet, man. (laughs) Um. It's so cool. And it... it, I mean... can you talk about your fascination with just all the little doohickeys and gadgets, and how you come up with all these brilliant little combinations?
0: Yeah, if if I could only do one thing, one part of the process, the what I do, the whole process, start to finish, it would be that that finding a problem or coming across a problem and coming up with it, you know, for that problem, the perfect solution. Most optimized, most affordable to quality ratio. Like I love that stuff. Yeah, it's coming up with like kits. You know, like like I love when when someone's like, I have, you know, twenty seven thousand three hundred and two dollars to spend. (laughs) How do you get the most out of that for a specific application? It's not very like searchable. That's probably why. Like over ten years, I've not seen the growth of other you know content creators doesn't matter,
1: man. Be you. Do you, man.
0: I love that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it's a lot of self-like problems. Like, uh, man, wouldn't it be great to have, like, an entire YouTube studio at a desk or on a rolling stand? And and then if I think it's something that either, A, I'm really interested in figuring out or, B, something that could also be very helpful to other people, um, I'll just kind of go for it. So I've – and I've also kind of had this – I've always had this, like, yuck feeling – when there's like the same combination of things used by everybody just because it's the name brand stuff. Yeah. So every time I see like a Joby with a (laughs) Canon DSLR or mirrorless with a 16 to 35 and a Rode VideoMic Pro on top, like that's just makes me sad inside. And there's a reason it's popular. It works, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I've always like, there's, there's other stuff. There's so much out there, especially now yeah remember when like you could only buy 15 millimeter rods from like four places on the internet oh yeah that was it and now there's like hundreds of brands all kinds of different materials it's crazy
1: i remember i mean you mentioned Jag 35 earlier in the video that was the only company that i bought a lot of that stuff from because it was the only affordable option at the time
0: yeah but now i love that now like so a small rig came out right however many years ago yeah and if you're honest, if you're honest, they started kind of, you know, I love them. And I'm just, this is kind of an analogy. They sort of ish started ripping off like wooden camera. Yeah. Who had these brilliant ideas of like compact cages and things. And then what's hilarious is now there's like 15 other companies ripping off small rig. <laughs> like, go on Amazon and search for, you know, a cage for an a6600. And yeah. there's like all these other companies now. <laughs> it's crazy.
1: I forget like I remember when cages started becoming a thing and they were always universal and now they're so Mm. I mean it makes sense why they do it it is nice to have a cage for a specific uh camera because it's it's more compact but I will say if you're trying to save money it's actually better just buy a universal cage because all the cameras are the same size now if you just buy one cage you'll essentially have the same cage forever um obviously you lose out on the flip on, side. They're
0: so cheap now that
1: yeah, they're disposable. Some of them
0: are like 40 bucks. Yeah. No, they're <laughs> or just selling with the camera. You know, they
1: can, I've seen them as low as 20, 30 bucks for certain cameras. I mean, Unbelievable. it's really ridiculous. Um, and you know, I, I've talked to the CEO of wooden camera about it and it's obviously a very hard thing to run a business as an American, uh, when those companies are ripping you off and what are you going to do? You can't, you really can't, sue them if you do it's just a big pain in the butt so you kind of have to out innovate those types of companies if you're an american company um yeah so and
0: and ryan and those guys like they it is unmatched yeah like i think there's a lot of people out there that are like oh why would i buy the aperture 120d when i can buy the godox sl60 for almost nothing like when you actually hold both in your hands you you it all makes sense same with wooden camera their stuff is unmatched like those little knobs that you use to tighten that ratchet yeah, A wooden camera one will last daily beatings for 10, 20 years, yeah. whereas the smaller one's going to give up.
1: Well, you know. the one universal cage that I have that I was just mentioning is a wooden camera uh, universal DSLR cage, and I use it all the time um, because it fits on every so camera that I have, and it doesn't matter what camera it is. So anyways, yeah. so to get back to the uh, some of the Twitter questions that I have, um, Jake is asking, thoughts on iPad Pro editing? Any thoughts on the iPad Pro? Hey.
0: Um, it's exciting that there's a keyboard that's really fun and a trackpad. Um, I've never been like, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be awesome and amazing. And the, the hardware is definitely getting there. Uh, I've always been like, I need like a desktop. I want a mouse yeah. and a keyboard and the whole Monty, big display. Um, and if that can replace a laptop someday, which I'm sure it will, yeah, then 100%. But but I'm old school. I'm weird. I'm not like, you know, sitting at a coffee table with my laptop.
1: Hunched over, out. giving your neck horrible... I've got like, horrible... to
0: have like my server connected to 10 gigabit. You know, my <laughs> whole setup needs to be in place.
1: Well, while we're on that topic, can you tell us your setup, your how what you edit on and, um, you know, your workflow with that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I switched to using the 2016 macbook pro the 16 inch i'm not 2016 the 16 inch um and then that's <laughs> I <gonna> connected
1: say, <laughs> i downgraded <laughs> it to the 2016 model uh <laughs> yeah yeah
0: no no i used yeah, to the, have an imac
1: the 16 inch macbook um, pro it's a great computer yep yeah
0: awesome love it so far it's handled everything i've thrown at it um that's connected over a thunderbolt to 10 gigabit card to a way too complex to get into setup that I'll someday do a video on, but it's, it's a, a Mac mini 2018 Mac mini server with 48 bays. Not all are populated yet kind of in the testing period of this ridiculous setup. So it's just a monster raid essentially. Um, That's awesome. And then uh, me and my assistant can connect to it and work on videos at the same time.
1: That's all great. Final cut. It, so. Is it just as fast as uh I mean, it's over Ethernet, so what are the speeds on that if you're... That's yeah, super fast, uh, it's right? It's
0: 10 gigabit Ethernet, so it's it's up to 1,000 megabytes.
1: Jeez. Yeah, so that's... So
0: it's, it's you know, you can with enough drives, you can get way faster than an SSD. Uh, and there's other options to go beyond that if you want to get up to 40 gigabit, which now you're talking 4,000 megabytes a second. Wow. So for both of us, we each get like five or 600 if we're working on it at the same time.
1: Yeah. Dave Andre uh Dave Andrad sorry post color gear asks how is he feeling about the status of YouTube in 2020 both as far as it has come from when he started and the pandemic and its effect on views
0: ugh i I don't know, man. It's a
1: timely one right now, obviously.
0: Every every yeah, every major empire in the world has come down at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but as it stands, like I think all this stuff it's just like the stock market. I've told people that in the past. Like if you're going to do this, just buckle in, pour yourself a drink and <laughs> settle in. Just yeah. keep making videos consistent, uh, quality, stay true to yourself, like we talked about. Yeah, uh, and you're going to be fine and it might take a longer time now, but who knows. You got to keep at it. Don't don't, you know, flake out just cuz there's something scary happening.
1: Yeah, totally. Do you think people, this is me asking, should people still consider doing YouTube? Is it still worth it to start fresh or should people look at TikTok and Instagram and other platforms that are maybe newer and maybe have a better chance of getting a foot in the door. Yeah.
0: I think you should start whatever platform makes the most sense for you. So if you're doing really short text-based snippets of humor, then maybe look at Twitter or something like that. <laughs> um, but but just whatever is most appropriate and you got to stick with it. It's like buying a stock, you know, if you're yeah. buying and selling all the time, jumping on the newest thing, you know, you can try it by all means, but... You got to pick one thing. And the beauty is when you build an audience, you can take that audience just about anywhere. You know? Yeah. If people are smart enough. If YouTube blows up and implodes one day, and if you have a website or they'll find you. So the main yeah. thing is quality, consistent content and playing that long game.
1: Uh, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think you're a, a testament to that 10 years and going strong. Hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm quitting tomorrow <laughs> i'm throwing the towel in uh
1: at reese the first asks, what was the most surprising piece of gear in 2019 and most surprising you can include uh the first couple months of 2022 if, if there's something that really surprised um, you
0: it's been kind of quiet like obviously the r5 is looking to be quite interesting but it might not be who knows we gotta wait and see <laughs> yeah um, nothing's really blowing my socks off right now. It's just mm-hmm. all very good, yeah um I can't think of one thing like the arc two I've done a lot of content on I love that thing motion control system but um yeah
1: I not think not uh it, what's funny is if you went back in time in a time machine and then you showed them what we have now just five or six years ago, it would knock your socks off, but hundred percent our socks are getting knocked off every day with with everything it's becoming i mean the fuji x100v a small point and shoot camera that's like 1200 bucks or something has the ability to shoot 4k 10 bit <laughs> amazing <laughs> so uh it's we're very spoiled for sure um oh yeah so to kind of summarize this whole thing up and uh, and give people a nice little nugget at the end here um what are some inspiring words that you like to give out to, to, to creators who want to do what you're doing? What's, what's kind of the main thing that you like to recommend to people who, who ask you, I want to do what you're doing. Um, mm. what are some value? I mean, you've, you've shared a lot of them already in our conversation, but just to kind of put sure. it all into one little nugget here, what's your words of wisdom yeah. from, from Caleb Pike?
0: <laughs> okay. Well, let me, let me think about this. Um, I, I, if we're talking about YouTube and, and making a living at that, um, I, there's a lot of people that ask me like, Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a channel or I'm, I'm going to start a channel next year or whatever. Um, I would say in today's climate on YouTube, just yeah. start today, like literally start filming today, start uploading as quickly as possible. It's going to be, it's going to take time to, you know, get views and have people find you. Um, it's just it's i keep saying it but it's so true it's just like investing start as young as possible um and keep at it you know keep making videos if like i'm writing a a course for like a massive like content creator survival guide small plug yeah (laughs) i can't wait i want one uh, i want a
1: copy i'm gonna buy it
0: (laughs) nice um i'll get you a discount (laughs) please (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and so the 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 whole overarching thing is you gotta just the most important thing is so boring. And that's to put in the work and make videos and do it consistently. Once you have that figured out, then you can focus on quantity, quality, um, getting that stuff sorted out. And I, I honestly think everyone should try YouTube at some point. I think it's good for a human being to make videos on YouTube because you, you learn about yourself. You learn, uh, all kinds of very valuable things. So I think it's worth it for everyone to try it. Um, and of course, you can quit down the road if you need to, but or want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, you got to start there. Quality isn't as important starting out. Um, it's so easy to get good looking stuff now, too. I know. Back when I started, there was no 120D, there was no light dome. We had Home Depot lights or airy lights like that's those were your two options and and iphones uh, didn't even shoot
1: good video at all back then either so that's the other thing is yeah you can buy an iphone 11 right now and it looks incredible it's amazing
0: no it's ridiculous it really is so that's probably what i would
1: that's great recommend and wonderful i agree with with that too and i think again you're a testament to that you've been at it strong for 10 years and um one thing that we didn't really talk about that you just mentioned is the fact that you also uh, make courses on your on your um what's the website called again sorry
0: uh it's academy dot dot com
1: yeah so definitely check that out. you've got some incredible courses on different cameras um and we will definitely be looking out for uh the ultimate youtuber uh pack <laughs> or whatever you're gonna call <laughs> it what are you gonna call it
0: yeah, yeah. I don't know yet. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if I should include YouTube or not. Yeah. But it's mainly just going to be... Yeah, it's all about workflows and kind of the thousand foot... We'll get down to the nitty gritty too. But everything essentially I've learned from the last 10 years. And Mm -hmm. yeah, step-by-step, making videos, all that good stuff.
1: Well, thanks again, Caleb, for being on uh, the Golden Hour Podcast. It was a pleasure having you on, of course. Um, All the way from 2018 when we met at NAB. This feels like forever ago, but... It also feels like yesterday. Time flies.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. Well, pleasure, man. It was a blast to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me.
1: Heck yeah. Everybody go follow Caleb Pike on Twitter, at Caleb Pike. And, of course, subscribe to his YouTube channel if you don't already. DSLR Video Shooter. Thanks again, Caleb. We'll see you around. Thanks, boss. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Caleb Pike. It was a real joy for me to interview Caleb. He's a good friend and it was really interesting to hear his viewpoint on being a YouTuber. I've never heard anybody reference being a YouTuber like owning a stock in the stock market and I love that viewpoint and I love that angle on everything. It really makes you think a little bit more long-term about what you're doing, and it can kind of give you a little pause and not be so stressed out about chasing views and chasing numbers if you're a content creator out there on the internet. I know for me, I can often find myself wrapped up in numbers with this podcast, with YouTube videos, and it's important to realize that everything that we're doing is like owning a stock in the stock market. You're going to have highs, you're going to have lows, and goodness gracious are we all facing a lot of lows right now. But. Hopefully this podcast was a high during this crazy time out there. I would like to ask that you guys would please just continue to stay safe out there and know that this show is continuing to go on every single week on the Colton Hour podcast. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that as you're home in this quarantine situation, you have something fun to listen to. We've got another amazing guest lined up for next week. It's actually Kai W, who we actually referenced in this podcast a couple of times. So again, make sure to subscribe to hear that episode. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast, and we'll see you next week.